Hey, good day. It's me, Mr. Hudson, at the start of the episode. Just wanting to let everyone know that uh, this is the Flourish podcast. The episode is really interesting and features an interview with the founding father's lead ticket, Mr. Barclay McGain. Enjoy. Okay, so uh, welcome, Barclay. Thanks, Sam. Um, yeah, so I think we'll just start off. Can you just just give us like a, a brief background on like who you are, like introduce yourself to the people listening to our show? Mm-hmm. Yep, so hi everyone, look my name is Barclay, um, I'm a 20 year old student from the Gold Coast, um, I finished uh, high school I suppose in 2018 and I came to the University of Queensland um, in semester 2 uh, last year, so that was 2019 um, and uh, I, I study economics and arts, um, within arts I study international relations and Mandarin. Uh, and essentially I've been politically active since I was probably like 16. Um, without question, I would say I have leanings towards the, the centre-right of politics um, and particularly when it comes to economics and a market-based approach um, to a lot of solutions to a lot of the issues that we have um, in our society. I think you know, um, they're often underrated and they're often not talked about uh, because I think there's a smear um, often against you know, fr- free marketeers and whatnot. Um, particularly in Australia nowadays and even more so with the coronavirus pandemic and whatnot. So I suppose I decided to get into UQ, UQ politics, I suppose, because I was involved with Real last year. Um, but I kind of saw that, you know, it had kind of just become the only difference between the parties had been the shirt that they were wearing and the people that were running on the tickets. And, and that's why I often say to people that the, the campaigners that I have the most respect for are actually the socialists because at least they're open and they're bold with their policy platform. And that's hopefully what I can hope to bring and hopefully spice up the uh, 2020 UQ Union uh, political race. Yeah, so when you're referring to real, and I, I assume you're also referring to like rebuild in the sense um, that there's nothing really different between them apart from like the colors of their shirts. Mm-hmm. So w- why do you think that is? Uh, and like, why did you think it was necessary to change that? Yeah, so I mean, look, you've only got to look at their flyers. Um, there's a, a ton of unanimous policies and there doesn't seem to be any room for, I suppose, leniency. And the reason why is because I feel a lot of them tried to pander to any kind of demographic. Um, and my kind of view is that, you know, you should be principled. You should go out there and say, here's what I'm offering. Here's my beliefs. Take it or leave it. You know, and look, there's 26 people that are running for us on council this year. Um, all of them I've spoken to within various, you know, um, Facebook forums and whatnot, and some of them happen to have been, you know, um, friends or supporters of mine in the past. And you know, we're just a group of people who none of which have, um, I guess, any membership to any political party, and we're also the only party who, the only party who can promise that they won't take a cent from student funds if elected. So I think that's our real point of difference and that's even before you get to our policies. So that's why I'm kind of, I guess, sick of the traditional, uh, you know, real rebuild kind of squabbling match because none of it is about the battle for ideas and it's everything about, you know, nitpicking, trying to disqualify your candidates, trying to name, put, put together 20 names to try and, you know, delegitimize other people or disqualify them in the race. Um, trying to get as many candidates um, together and to sign forms and trying to get as many volunteers out. And I really don't think that's what, sh- that's what it should be about. I think it should be about the battle of ideas because right now we're into this, I suppose, Cold War arms race, which 
starts in October and ends in October, and we don't see anything else from our elected officials in the year between. So that's what I'm hoping to change. Um, you know, you can call it cliche. It's that whole whole cliche of, or oh, you're not the average politician, or you know, I really want to take it away from the major parties. But you know, I hope there's a little bit of substance to it. And I hope people and our listeners recognise that. Okay, so you were saying before that they're not really standing on any particular principles. Mm -hmm. what, princi what principles within the context of the UK Union mm -hmm. do you think are important to stand up for? Yeah, so I think our freedoms, um, that's one big thing. One, freedom of speech, and also um, I think, you know, the things like... Um, both parties, I suppose, are pushing a ban on single-use plastics on campus. And, you know, when, I, when I'm anti a single-use plastic ban on campus, it's not because I hate the environment or because I just want to see plastic littered all over the place. It's because I believe that for, you know, something to work, you need societal change and con uh, conscientious consumers and conscious consumers solely because, you know, uh, bureaucratic bans don't really solve anything. Um, in my view, you know, um, to, to insinuate that a ban or a law um, suddenly solves a societal issue would be to say that, you know, the Emancipation, ended, uh, the emancipation Proclamation ended slavery um, or racism when really it didn't. Sure, but like, that. surely in that specific example, mm -hmm. like, it's undeniable that it had like a an actual like improvement on the lives of African Americans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? no, and like it's, that, it's, that, like that at the very least is like worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly did. But the thing is, what you want to do is you want to change the person, the person's uh, psyche in terms of being opposed to. Um, uh, I guess, single-use plastics, because they're in every facet of our life being a more sustainable consumer. I mean, the water bottle that I've used, that I'm just drinking from today, for example, I've used that for the last probably two months, and I refill it. That's not because, you know, I'm, uh, you know, told to by the government, but it's because I actually feel guilty every time I throw away a plastic bottle. Genuinely, I feel guilty, sure. right? And also, it's also my incentive, because I don't want to go and buy 10, 10 you know, bottles of, um, you know, plastic yeah, water bottles. So and also, if I can just touch on that, I suppose, um, I really do think that, you know, paper straws just genuinely don't work. There's a lot of people who are fed up. Um, there's a lot of people who say it just disintegrates in the drink and it makes it taste like cardboard. And so, we're, yeah, we're touching so, into that like, demographic. But on this point, right, like, mm -hmm. why is the focus on, like, getting rid of the ban and not instead on, like, education or mm -hmm. something like that, yep. right? As like, why isn't it about changing, like, minds? Is it, like, what you've said that it ultimately should be about, mm -hmm. but instead more about fighting the bureaucracy? Well, I think first off, you've got to fight the bureaucracy. That's the first stand. And then you focus on education. But the education's all around us. The education regarding, you know, being more environmentally sustainable is indeed all around us. You, you wouldn't bump into one person today who doesn't, one, know the effects that non-renewable, uh, you know, like us constantly reminding, uh, mining non-renewable resources will have. Eventually, we're going to run out. A lot of people talking about the carbon footprint as well. Both valid points, right? And we do that by having a discussion, not by having, you know, you know, bans as well. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the time, it, you know, stymies the investment in an alternative. So if you talk about in the in the instance of renewables, for example, right? Um, one of the one of the, the the largest investments in renewable energy has come from the private sector. I mean, you've just got to look at you know Elon Musk in the United States. You know, Tesla is not a government-run entity. It wasn't started due to a ban. It was done because of growing societal trends and growing societal movements towards renewable energy. Okay, sure, I think we're getting a bit sidetracked from like the UK yeah. Union mm -hmm. um, at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe the next question would be, uh, so you've said here that you want to get uh, rid of student hacks, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, what do you mean by that, and mm -hmm. why do you think it's important? Yeah, so I think the issue with student hacks is because 
Well, what I'm seeing here is I'm seeing a lot of people who don't stand on their principles. And, I, you know, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, um, that I think that the party that I have the most respect for in these UK Union Council elections, in spite of disagreeing with them on almost every tenant, is Socialist Alternative, because they are bold and they actually say their principles and they're unashamed of standing by them. I fear as though that a lot of people within the major party tickets speak in generalities, right, to say we want a better UQU and don't actually unpack what that means. And the reason why they say we want a better UQU is because they don't want to set people offside. They want to be this broad consensus candidate like Dwight Eisenhower, right, and they don't necessarily care about saying what they think and saying what they mean. And that's the last thing we need in politics. And the reason why they don't say and think what they mean is because they're envisaging the next spot uh, at, at an internship at one of the big four accounting firms or pre-selection in a safe seat. And this is not just me looking from the out, out, outside saying that. I was within real last year and I saw it firsthand. As someone who is outspoken, I didn't get, I, you know, I was probably one of the most active councillors all year. I was really the only one from real who actually spoke at any of the council meetings. And what do they do? They ostracise me and don't even consider, you know, um, putting yeah, me up. Yeah, but I've been to those council meetings mm -hmm. and it's, like, it's not that you're just, like, the only one who speaks. It's that your your opinion is actually quite divergent mm -hmm. from the norm. Mm -hmm. And, like, is it really that surprising that people would, like, find, like, because they have many disagreements with the things that you say, like, it led to ostracization? Yeah, so, look, look what, I, what I will say is that, you know, yes, I 100% agree that I should be, I ought to be ostracized if I was someone who, say, for example, fundamentally agreed or disagreed with all the, the principles that Real stands for. But the issue was that no one else on Real was actually doing anything. So my question is, okay, if we were talking to students here, would you rather someone who, you know, maybe gets it wrong from time to time and maybe, you know, has some differing views to the, the large demographic, or would you rather a sitting duck person who maybe turns up to three or four council meetings in the entirety of the year and doesn't say anything because they're worried about people recording them, recording their vote, and threatening the party which, which, to which they bear allegiance. Well, I can comfortably tell all of our listeners today that I bear allegiance to no party, and I think it's important that our representatives in the UQ Union also bear no allegiance to any political party. So you, you'll say, like, you bear no allegiance to any larger political party? Uh, right now, no. Have you in the past? Yes, certainly in the status. In, in in the past, I've been a member of the LNP. I was. It was actually a fundamental part of my life being part of the LNP, and largely, I hold a lot of values that the LNP hold held to, hold today. But my issue is that it's more so with the administrative functions of the LNP today. And the reason why I see it as an issue is because they look to ostracize people who perhaps go against the grain, speak out a little bit, right? And I worry it's all in the aspects of but isn't PR. that kind of like code for? saying offensive things so in my view uh you know like speaking out going mm -hmm. against the grain mm -hmm. so i wouldn't say for a start speaking out or going against the grain is an offensive thing no it's um, not but yeah i'm saying it's code mm -hmm. yeah well it's definitely code for it but i would cons like completely reject the notion that i've gone out and said offensive things right and i think it's absurd that they try and take people out you know, largely a lot of the people who end up getting kicked out of the LNP are some of the most passionate supporters of our values. And because the media take a hold of it and reinterpret what it means or make it out of something it's not, all of a sudden they are caved in and have to pander to the media because at the end of the day they have to win elections. So I don't envy their position either. But they're not siding with free speech for young, uh, you know, as or not so much aspirational, but you know, young, committed um, individual uh, teenagers at the time. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, we'll move on. Mm -hmm. um, so 
What do you think is the most important issue for students on mm -hmm. campus right now? Well, I think one of the most important issues on campus, I think, you know, you, you hate to say it, but it is honestly taking it away from this whole corporatist, careerist, uh, I guess, uh, plague that has infected the entire UK Union. So you think that the most important thing for students right now mm -hmm. is actually the culture of the people who run the UK Union? 100%. Yeah, that's the most important, like problem for students on campus. Yes, and I'll explain why. Because that's the avenue to solving any of the other problems for a student. Like, say, for example, in a society that is, you know, war-torn, uh, poverty-stricken, has cruel dictators, what's the best thing to solve them? It's not immediate food. It's not immediate water. It's democracy. Allowing the people to have a say, freeing them from the tyrants. And that's what I'm campaigning for here. So what structural changes, then? Like, mm -hmm. like, assuming you win, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're just saying, like, oh, we'll just, like, not be like them. Mm -hmm. But, like, what prevents that from happening, like, again in the future, right? Well, or them, like, reinstating their power? Well, well, again, you're going to have to take me at my word, right? Because it's like any... Well, like, you just graduate, like mm -hmm. students do every, like, four years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, like, what stops it from, like, reverting? Oh, I'm, nothing. I'll be quite frank with you. Nothing. It can it can very, very well revert in the future. But in terms of the structural changes that I'd push for, yeah. right, that would be making a lot of the, the positions which are currently paid for to the tune of $40,000, making them... Or we've got a plan whereby we cut $350,000 in salaries um, that you pay for in UK Union elected officials. Now, you'll hear out there, there's a number of parties that are talking about doubling or tripling that funding and providing free services to students. Well, I'd say to all the students listening to the podcast today is that nothing is free and eventually you will pay for it. And in many instances, you are paying for someone else's issue whereby, you know, if we were to, you know, subs have it subsidised from the government, that's without the out of the jurisdiction of the UK Union itself. So whenever they say something's being made free, it basically just means that you are going to be paying more. And my issue, my issue is that a lot of these people who are getting paid a ridiculous amount of money, right, do nothing for students. I mean, we've only seen Semper this year. It's been a huge issue that we've seen, you know, a lot of people are talking about how almost under a thousand words have been written and the person who runs Semper, geriatric hack Rowan Evans, is paid around... He's in the room with us. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> is paid, is paid $40,000 for his work. And now I tend to get along quite well with Rowan, right? But this is the issue that we fall into within uh, UQ politics, right? A lot of people want to side with their buddies, side with their friends, and not call a spade a spade, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't care less who was in the room, right? But I'll call a spade a spade, and that's how I'm seeing it from the outside. I'm not professing to know all, right? But what I'm saying is that, you know, it's, 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 I've had enough of people just being, okay, these are my mates, these are my mates, I've got to ostracise these people, stay close to these people, I'll call a spade a spade. If I have to call out someone who's a friend, even a very close friend, I will do it. Okay, know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to cut that part because I'm not going to stutter in the thing. That's right. Um, so, uh, in that case, uh, what do you think is the first thing you'll implement? Okay, so then what is the first thing that you'll implement uh, if you're elected? So I think the first thing we're looking to implement, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a case of following the democratic processes of the UK Union Council. So, you know, unashamedly, I'm not running for a position as president. Um, hmm. So I'm not, you know, pretending like I'm going to, you know, um, give everyone a, a pony and a million dollars. Um, but, you know, one of the first motions that I would call on um, in terms of the council is abolishing the idea that we have to, you know, police ourselves for using gendered language. So, um, you know, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it on the podcast, but the party that I'm essentially running with is the Founding Fathers for UQU, 
And we're not calling it because of this religious affiliation with the founding fathers or because I'm a, you know, a, a raging supporter of the, you know, the United States. It's largely because we had an instance, you know, earlier this year whereby a student was reprimanded for using the term founding fathers in his essay. And why was that? It wasn't because it was spelt incorrectly. It wasn't because it was factually incorrect. It was, in, it was correct. Um, but it was supposedly in breach of UQ's Pulsus essay guide regarding gendered language. And my issue is, you know, I'm not campaigning for the right for people to be bigots or be, you know, rude to women or, you know, people in the LG plus community, right? But what I'm saying is I think, you know, we really need to rein it back because it's only going to get worse. And once I put the pitch out to people who have also been, you know, reprimanded and in some cases marked down as a result of this Pulsus essay guideline, some of them even said they've been marked down for using the word hysterical. Now, I mean, when I go to a comedy show, I come out and say, oh, that was hysterical. But according to, according, to, according to UQ, suddenly you're getting marked down for hysterical because you're you know, unintentionally referring to a woman's reproductive organs and about how she can't control her emotions, which is simply absurd. And, you know, they're also placing things like mankind... Um, you know, because apparently that's sexist. So, look, I think, you know, this, this raging political correctness culture, which is running rife amongst, you know, not only our students, but largely a lot of our staff, uh, really needs to go. And that's something that I would, you know, hopefully try my best to change. Okay. So why is the UK Union, like, the, the particular institution that you're interested in getting more involved in? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, that is largely the institution where students are able to get a stranglehold. Now, you know, I've only been at uni for just over a year, I think maybe 15 months, um, and I'm going to be here for you know three or four more years to go, um, given that I'm doing a double Fine. degree. And I largely see this, you know, as, you know, some kind of a movement that we're trying to start. You know, we were able to fill a council ticket of 26 people who are all committed to a lot of the policies that I'm speaking about on this podcast right now. And I hope, as we get some kind of a presence on this UK Union Council, that in years to come, we can run for higher positions with more authority and more of an ability to enact some of these changes. First off, with any social movement, it's about making people conscious, making people aware. Then you look into growing and trying to... So you know, guys been getting a lot of traction? Because, like, you post all the time on Queensland student politics. Mm-hmm. Um, how you found you, the traction on that? Yeah, so I certainly think, look, it's been very uplifting and the nature of some of the stuff that we're talking about is many of the people who are actually supporters do it privately. And the reason why is because a lot of the ideas that we're talking about aren't necessarily things that you'd feel comfortable supporting in public. Why? So say, for example, lifting the ban on single-use plastics. You know, you all of a sudden you're seen as some Gina Reinhardt pro-coal clone, right? But that's actually not the truth. Some people just say, yeah, when I like a drink from Boost, I like having a plastic straw. And when the UQ Union outlets or the, the UQ Union campaign on this policy, whether you're Liberal, Labor or Socialist Alternative or you, all of them are unanimous in this policy approach that they want to ban single-use plastics. And we're the only one providing an alternative for many people, some of which have a disability and actually need plastic straws, who actually think, hang on. Let's go against this. So, you know, a lot of them have to show their support privately. And, you know, we've been inundated with, you know, a lot of people who are, you know, saying, you know, good on you for having a go. Because, you know, I don't... I'm not funded by the Liberal Party. I'm not funded by the Labor Party. How are you funded? 
Uh, I'm entirely self-funded. So any money that I make is from the work that I do um, as a part-time chess coach. Yeah. Um, and I also coach with Queensland Cricket. So like flyers, like having mm-hmm. soft drinks and stuff for campaigners. Yeah, yeah. so having soft drinks for campaigners, literally all I do is I walk them down to the vending machine um, down at Chamberlain Building and I buy them a soft drink. Um, you know, uh, I'll be quite frank with you that we don't have as many campaigners as the large party, so I may only have to spend, you know, 30, 40 bucks, and then that soft drink's covered for all of our campaigns. So why are the Chamberlain building vending machines and not the ones that go into the UK Union that are found on the Union Complex? Uh, because largely I think that, you know, the ones that I've always found at Chamberlain are costing a dollar seventy, and, you know, I've always been one to, you know, always take the cheaper alternative, and that's what we're finding. So I go to Chamberlain. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, as I'll reiterate again, like, we're entirely self-funded. Um, it's, you know... All my money um, being involved and, and put into this party, um, and but it, it is also not an incredible outlay. I mean, I think we spent overall, I think, 120 bucks getting all of our flyers printed. Um, we've wow. got no corflets, we've got no t-shirts. Um, you know, we haven't boosted anything on Facebook, so you know, I don't see this costing me any more than a few hundred dollars. Um, so it's it's not an incredible outlay. Yeah, sure. Opinion. So, um, so who are your favourite characters? while you've been out here campaigning and involved in student politics? Yeah, well, there's certainly a few. So as I said, I've only been involved in student politics both this year and last year, but um, if I was to speak as to some of my favourite characters, um, last year we had um, a very good friend of mine, uh, Wilson Gavin, um, who was you know, quite a colourful campaigner. Um, he was always someone who would, I would say, be quite provocative, but also um, very polite when you had a, a chat to him one-on-one, in my view. Um, and he was someone who, you know, was unashamed in his principles, which I also respected, um, irrespective of whether we agreed all the time or not. Uh, but in moving into this year, um, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to go past someone like of the of the uh, spice of Drew, um, in spite of him not being a student, you know, he's ever present in this campaign. Wait, which um, Drew are you talking about, sorry? Ah, yes, yeah, so Drew Pavlou, the original, um, I find him to be quite entertaining. Um, in terms of the other parties, um, I always love Tom Landy because, you know, he, he looks like he's doing serious things all the time. Um, you know, whenever I see him walking around, I kind of envisage that, you know, the, the final countdown by Europe is playing in my head because he's going, you know, walking around like he's, you know, on a mission all the time on phones doing very very serious operator things um uh who else um look quite frankly um you know if it if it hasn't shown through already in this interview i'm overall very discontent with a lot of the people who are running our uk union um and that comes from all parties um irrespective of their political allegiances because they bear no principles and they don't care about students yeah so on that i've heard that you've been in the doghouse for the first few days of this week um and why is that? Like, what is it like to, to be dating the, the presidential candidate for Rebuild? Uh, so, look, I think the idea, and this is something I've also mentioned before, is that we get into this concept that, you know, we can only run or be affiliated with people that we're friends with. Um, but my view is that, you know, politics and your personal life are, are strictly strictly opposed. And that's why, I mean, there's instances in the United States whereby someone who is a staunch Democrat, you know, would marry a staunch Republican, um, and, you know, uh, and this is the thing, like, you know, I'm not going to hold, you know, uh, any sympathies for someone who I don't think would do a very good run, job running this union. Um, I think it would be tragic if the Labor Party ended up running this union. 
uh, Robot Scott, uh, Shifty Sean, any of them, really, um, because I think they all stand for the same things, and that's their next job at their law firm or an accounting company or pre-selection in a safe so, so, so why those... Why those nicknames, Shifty mm-hmm. Sean? Because mm, it's catchy. I think people latch onto things that are catchy because we've got to remember, we've got a university of 55,000 people and last year under 10,000 people voted. We need people who are actually disconnected from politics to see these kind of things and be amused. One, that's I'll, I'll be you know unashamed in saying that it's amused, but also things that people can understand and things that are a point of difference. They don't like the talk, they don't like the jargon, and they don't like the mere puffery that is offered by the major major parties, right? Um, that'll be all, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you very much, Barclay, for joining us for this interview. Thank you, thanks, Sam, and thanks, Rowan, for having me on board. And look, I hope everyone can get out to vote, whether you agree with us, whether you agree with us or not. Uh, we're the founding fathers. We've got our policy platform, and you know what we stand for. So if you want to stop the, stop the student hacks and take our freedoms back, then I know where your allegiances lie when you cast your ballot between October 12th and 16th. Thank you.